0: Whoa, what's going on? New music? You betcha. Welcome to Amidon Planet. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me in this Never Ending quest to learn how to teach better. Today on episode 92 of the podcast, if you're going to have a musician on the episode, you better ask for some music. And so that's what we provided. And George Maurer is our guest on the podcast. George is a performer, composer, multimedia artist, adventure bicyclist, and storyteller. Um, George is also a friend, and we uh, have known each other for, man, since 1997? 97, I believe? So, long time, long time. And I knew George from Badger Boy State, and we'll get into Badger Boy State and what that is, and uh, some of you that have seen the Boy State uh, documentary, On Apple Plus, have seen uh, what that uh, program is about, but basically for us, it was a chance to get together, pour into some rising seniors as they create a a mythical 51st state called Badger up in Wisconsin, And, and also get to hang out with some pretty cool counselors. and And one of the cool counselors I got to hang out with was Gary Williams, who. You've heard on previous episodes of the podcast, but then also george mauer and George was one of those people who again i'm gonna i'm gonna recount this and'm sorry to rehash it you'll hear it again where the first time I think i I met him was he was waking up our our dorm with <laughs> with a keyboard uh Cranked up and just using music as a way to help us all rise and shine a little bit at the at in Ripon College uh, at Badger Boy State in the late 90s. And so, just excited that to have him on the podcast because one, he's just had some amazing experiences, and we'll get into that a little bit. And also, I've got an awesome video to share in the show notes of kind of where. Where he came from and where he he's, he he's landed, but then also too, it's a little three minute video it doesn't even begin to capture all the different experiences he's had as a jazz musician um, and some of the great music he's created and and entertained folks with across the country, um, uh, across the world, and then even thinking about some of the uh, some of the experiences he's had playing with some musicians like Bobby V and Eric Clapton, um, and that was kind of the cool thing about Boy State is because you'd see people like you know. Most of the time you'd see him for that week uh, that Boy's Day was happening. And so, you know, George is always interesting to talk to like, hey, George, what you been up to this past year? And he'd come up with like, hey, I did this and I did that. And I had this you know interaction with a famous person and like like famous musician and or just created this awesome music. And it's just like it was cool to hear these adventures that he was on as a musician. But now he's been having these adventures for the past 10 years. On, on a bicycle seat. And so, you know, he was originally did it, and we'll get into his, the original story behind it, but he was raising some money for cancer research. And then pandemic happened, all his musical shows get canceled, and so what is he going to do? And he had all this, and George, if you know George, he's always recording stuff. Um, and so he's able to take those recordings and turn it into the uh, uh, recordings from the bicycle seat and turn it into this amazing... Uh, performance and and show that he can now do with kids uh, and all the life lessons that he's learned on this on these adventures, and so he's kind of pivoted with what he can do with those experiences so he's still he's still very much a musician, but then also he does these shows and wanted to come on and and I want him to come on and, and talk about this and share some of the learnings he's had because he's had an opportunity to do some some teaching through this experience so what what lessons has he had and just an actual conversation but, but back and forth between George as a jazz musician and thinking about even some of those parallels in his how he teaches as well in some of these shows. And then thinking about what are some lessons we can learn from that. So lots of, it's a interesting guy, interesting experiences, lessons to be learned for teaching. And then also just, uh, just cool stories, uh, to share. And so glad to have my friend, uh, George Maurer on the podcast. So without further delay, here is, uh, my conversation with performer, composer, multimedia artist, adventure bicyclist, and storyteller, George Maurer. I was trying to think like, what, what was the thing from Boy State that I used to say? I know that you used to.
1: Fantastic. Yeah.
0: Fan... <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. <laughs> Welcome to Amazon Planet. George, how are you? I am doing
1: great. I haven't heard you say the word fantastic in a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was my like go to word, like fantastic. Yes, yeah, everything, everything. You would always fantastic. say it underneath
1: your breath, just as something was going down. You know, I was like, oh no, fantastic,
0: fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, George, I just I was calling back to uh, thinking about how we first met, and again, uh, I think it was I first met you. I want to say nineteen ninety eight, maybe mm-hmm. ninety I was in a, the
1: nineties. Yeah
0: my first year as a counselor. And I think, I don't know if you were a counselor that year or you just came by to visit, but I remember you waking up our dormitory with your keyboard (laughs) plugged in to 11. Yeah, I I was a
1: counselor. So, cause, cause uh, you know, I just wouldn't randomly drive to Ripon, Wisconsin to Ripon (laughs) college and wake up a dorm full of summer camp guys. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And Badger boy state uh, for those, Oh, actually, you know, now a lot of people know what Badger Boys State is because you can point to that Boys State uh, documentary that was on yep. Apple Plus and a lot of people yep. saw yep. that. But, yeah, nine, what, 900 junior rising seniors like getting yes. together to make a mythical 51st state called Badger? Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, ever since 1939, uh, wow. the American Legion created that program. and response initially to Hitler's Nazi youth programs and it eventually evolved into the leadership program that it is. And every state except Hawaii, Hawaii is the only one that doesn't have a boy state.
0: Which you know,
1: we could go there and I, volunteer I to it was, start it. I think it would be a fantastic idea.
0: That's right. <laughs> How many years were you? I, I think I was a council for thirteen years. If I off. this June will together. be my
1: twenty-fifth year. Wow. Twenty-fifth, yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
0: yeah. A, yeah, on and I see off. a plaque I mean, coming
1: here. Yeah, well, yeah, there'll be something etched on a piece of glass, and you'll go up and shake <laughs> somebody's hand and smile for the camera. And, that's right. And there'll be a reception afterwards, and there'll be
0: cookies and cake. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, well, it seems like you've been, I mean, I was trying to, like, describe, you know, who George Maurer is, and, <laughs> like, I think your website does, it says, like, what, what uh, musician. Performer, multimedia artist. I was going to say storyteller. Um, yep. Adventure bicyclist. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, what what I'm, else? What else could we capture there?
1: I'm I'm relearning how to play the theremin, so uh, you can <laughs> say thereminist. <laughs> thereminist <laughs> for uh, for a music, creating new music for a show coming up. So um, and 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 Wurlitzer. A uh, theater organ player. I'm 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 taking organ lessons to learn how to play pedals with my feet so I can <laughs> <laughs> do some shows across the country uh in a lot of these theaters that have
0: restored uh Wurlitzer organs. So wow, that's awesome. Well yeah. and I and I know we, I was trying to like just even capture some of the experience I have with your music and like, so the George Maurer trio, right? The George um, Maurer Group. Jazz Group, yeah. Jazz Group. Right. In our 25th year as a band. Wow. Wow. All eight of us still together. <laughs> That's, and is that the same group that would do some of the, the Christmas albums? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sniff the Mitten is my favorite it. one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For those that know Spinal Tap, it's a That's little right. bit of a riff off of Spinal Tap. And yeah. Jazz Nog was the first
0: one. Yes, and I have both. Jazz
1: Nog. Yep.
0: <laughs> so like George has been in my my household every Christmas, so we we pull out those and just love love that. Oh, but that's I mean, awesome. <laughs> and and again, just trying. I mean, that's just one part of it. But then also too, you toured with Bobby V for yep many years. Uh, like
1: yeah, a number of years. I was his music director and orchestrator. Bobby V was a '60s pop icon. He charted a bunch of hits in the '60s. Uh, Take Good Care of My Baby, I'm Like a Rubber Ball, Come Bouncing Back to You, Mm -hmm. Devil or Angel. It goes on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then through him uh, and his sons who kind of run um, all of that, um, I've had the opportunity to work with the original lead cast of Broadway's Jersey Boys, uh, the guys that opened the show on Broadway, and they went on to do uh, their own deal and and symphony shows. So things I never thought I would find myself doing, like learning how to play a theremin. Theremin. or orchestrating for full symphony orchestra, um, you know, but I was a composition major and jazz musicians are improvisers. So we say yes, and then we figure out how to do it later. Yeah, And and I think that's the great approach to adventure bicycling, bicycling too.
0: So it's just to say, yeah, I can
1: do that and then figure it out later.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> just... And we'll put a link to it in the, the show notes, but there's a, <laughs> an awesome like overview video that you have that kind of describes like, hey, did all this and now yeah adventure bike bicyclist <laughs> it's like yeah it's pretty it's something i never expected to be doing in my life yeah, at all so what what it even started that so what like okay so you're doing all you doing the music stuff um uh, i'm i'm guessing you you learned how to ride a bike as a youngin but then like yep. okay so then then what led to to this these bike adventures
1: well, this is the story I tell. And actually, I'm, I'm broadcasting to you from my live virtual studio that I, uh, I appear on a lot of uh, smart boards across the U.S. in classrooms over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic and yeah. for about a year out of that. And so when that question gets asked, um, I turn to a little bit of my technology. So I'm going to use a little bit of audio visual here. Okay. to Kind of tell you how, how I got into that. Um, and I think I got the volume right. But this is my friend Carolyn. And she was a school teacher from Little Falls, Minnesota, and one summer she decided she's going to bike all the way across the United States from Seattle to Boston. And uh, she was 48 years old. Uh, She decided to raise some funds for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Little Falls, Minnesota. And um, at the end of this adventure, she realized it. She just biked across the United States, something she never expected herself to do. So she did other big things in her life, like learning how to play baseball at the age of 70 while battling cancer. Oh, wow. And she died a year later. Um, I had known her for many years because she would come to all my concerts. And so um, I decided that I was gonna follow in her footsteps and raise some funds for cancer research. And um, built a bike, and her husband dropped me off at the same place he had dropped her off in Seattle. Oh, wow. And guess what, it took me 48 days to go across the United States and to follow her path. Um, she was a big baseball fan, so I sort of ended up the journey in, in front of uh, Um, the the Boston uh, Red Sox baseball stadium there in Boston and said, I I think I'm finished. But I wasn't. Actually, every summer since then, I've been going across different countries like Iceland and uh, Sri Lanka and Vietnam, all these other countries that we're talking about, raising funds. But in the process of doing this, um, I was learning about all kinds of uh, people and culture, different countries. And so I use that as sort of a springboard for talking to kids about you know, uh, in the same way for me, how, how do we grow? And we often have to go beyond what we know in order to grow. And sometimes something as simple as a bicycle can put us into situations like that. So that's sort of how I got into it. This will be the 10th ride coming up this summer across this one will be across, um, Norway, uh, for about a month from Oslo all the way up into the Arctic circle to the tippy top of of Norway. And, um, Nowadays, raising funds for tradesmen scholarships Mm -hmm. for the Illinois Manufacturing Association. This will be our third year in in memory of a cousin of mine who was a big supporter and fan of mine, and she died of cancer a few years ago, and so we've named a scholarship in her honor, and and we're giving out scholarships to people who want to go and learn how to build electric vehicles or do HVAC or anything that's related to the trade. So each one of these rides is connected with that sort of mission, that sort of motivation for me, um, but along the way, um, I you slow down. You go very slow on a bike, so you can't help but notice things, meet people, see things, um, smell things, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and stop. You know, take pictures and so on. So that's just sort of all how it's sort of swirled
0: into this into this thing. So, and I that's love awesome.
1: it. Yeah,
0: is there something about the? I mean, is, so you talk about you know having conversations with kids and, and giving them a presentation or even just like seeing the world from a, a point of view that they're seeing it too. Like that's their like the, your first like glimpse of freedom was probably mm-hmm. from the, from the, a bicycle seat. And so is there something ma- kind of magical about that perspective? I think so. Um, you know, um, a
1: lot of these kids, you know, and I try and translate it into Um, you know, do you ride a a scooter? Do you ride a a skateboard? Uh, You know, what is your way of moving about? And, and, and you described it really well. That is um, kind of the first uh, bit of independence for a kid to, you know, eventually say, Hey, Sammy and I are going to go, you know, ride to the park and back, you know, and letting people know where we're going, but, you know, maybe doing it for the first time, not being accompanied by an adult. Um, And I'd, you know, I've had a bicycle all my life, um, and so I always had that chance to kinda of get away from my piano, get away from my studio, get outside and so on. But to talk to kids about it, um I try and translate it down into um sort of an increasing level of, of steps. Um kind of the very first thing I start off with is like if you had a chance to go anywhere in the world, at this point, right at this moment, you can take the rest of school off, you can take the next week off. Matter of fact, make it a month where would you go? And I don't tell them it has to be on a bicycle. I'll just say, where would you go? And they all start naming these places. Ohio. They're naming Ohio a lot in the latest shows. I'm doing (laughs) this. Here's something they're watching. It has something to do with Ohio. They're like, Ohio, have you been to Ohio? I'm like, no. Yes, (laughs) but not on a bike. (laughs) But they name all these places and I go, oh, I forgot. Um, You you get to do this. I'm going to wave a wand and you're going to get to do it, but you have to do it on a bicycle. Would you still go? And The majority of them go, yeah, you know, they roll with me on it, so to speak. And then we just kind of launch into it from there and go, okay, first and foremost, uh, if we're going to live off of a bike for a month, what do we need to bring? Mm. What do we need to carry? And you get them starting to think about, oh, you know, what am I going to take with me? Because I'm gone for a month now, you know, and I don't have a giant suitcase like mom and dad have that they pack just to go away for two days. I got the limited amount of space and I have a bike there to show them. And as they start naming things I, that I carry, I start pulling them out of this suitcase that becomes the the launching pad for everything that's going on the bike. And any answer goes, some kid goes, I want to bring my puppy. I'm like, great, you know, let's figure it out, you know, <laughs> name all these things. I'm going to bring Nintendo. Well, you know, I bring a book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. But
1: it, it gets them excited about thinking about um you know if you're going to go somewhere and do it on your own like you need to you know what do you need to bring with you and and, and what's too much mm-hmm. and what's just enough and and how do we get how 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 are we creative and we talk about creativity I a lot I talk about I'm I'm a piano player I show them a video of my band performing me at the piano the whole deal and then I say and I'm always creative when I'm on a piano bench because I get to work with other people in different countries and I get to work with musicians but I'm just as creative when I'm on a bicycle seat. I take that mm. same creativity, but now I'm on a bicycle seat instead of a piano bench. You know, how are you? Can you be creative with me today? I'm gonna to need your creativity to help solve some some questions and some some problems as we figure out how to go somewhere and how to do it. So I think tapping into the kids' creativity is, you know, I'm and I'm I know that you all of you as teachers and all of your teachers who listen to this, because you do this on
0: a daily basis, a
1: huge amount of respect for the work that all of you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what is some, I mean, I guess what is an example of some creativity that you've had from the bicycle seat? Like, I mean, if it's a story about a situation, I mean, I know you're a great storyteller, so like, I'll just tee you up there.
1: Yeah, well, what I do is, is um, I let the kids kind of uh, generate questions during the virtual show um, here in the chat field in Zoom. Um, teachers are typing in, there's always uh, a ton of questions that are filling up the, the chat field here uh, in, in Zoom, and so I'm always pulling questions, like Sammy in Mrs. Phillips' class asks this question, and then I try and address Sammy directly. Or if Susie wants to ask the question directly through the computer, and you can see them on the screen, then I try and make that as personable and and uh, as possible. Of course, in the live setting, it's even easier because I get to walk through the audience and, and point to people, but sometimes they ask about um, you know um, adversity. You know, like um, uh, flat tires and that sort of stuff. And how do you fix a flat tire? And so I quickly have a video that I can pull up showing how. You know, well, I carry tools on my bike to fix my tires. It doesn't happen this fast, but here's how I had to fix a tire. What? What if we try and do that in another country like Vietnam, where I was getting a flat tire every other day because there's a lot more debris in the roads, and it was cheaper and quicker for me to give my business to a local tire repair shop and to see how they repair tires uh, in Vietnam. Um, But then let's extrapolate that a little bit further and let's go to Sri Lanka. And now we're in the middle of a desert and there's no town around, there's no people around. And I'm at a little bus shelter, pulling my bike apart, trying to troubleshoot what's going on. And finally end up uh, at a shop that a Muslim shopkeeper owns and he opened his shop on that day in order to help me fix my tire uh, and just the whole um, non being able to speak the language kind of the uh, how do you uh, express uh, what it is that uh, you need when you don't know how to speak a language and so we talk a lot with the kids about um, you know I run them through an exercise where I show road signs um, that I run across as a bicyclist and we start with ones that they know you know the stop sign what does this say what do we do Um, What about this one over here? And eventually I start moving towards symbols um, and they're not noticing the shift that we're not using words at all. uh, And then I pop a a symbol on them like this and go, okay, what's this blue sign telling us? And they're like, oh, that's easy. That's a bike path. I said, so, so we don't need to know how to read Korean language in order to know what this sign is probably telling us, you know? And then we just kind of move it along in in other different ways uh, in order to... uh, you know, figure things out. Of course, they always love it when the monkey sign comes up. But um, uh, I I use um, uh, these little uh, opportunities to kind of get, to answer the questions directly as they ask them to try and shift and move with where they're going with um, um, their questions, because I have enough material that I've developed to be able to answer these questions with either an audio-visual thing, if we're in the virtual setting, or... We we do it live, you know, in in, in the school shows. Um, we actually one example of an exercise I do is okay, okay. We we we've biked all day long. We're going to set up our tent, get our camp going, and now we got to cook some food. Where are we going to get some water? You know, and um uh and, and they have to think. And I said, okay, let's say that we're uh, in in Iceland, and so um you know um you know we talk about uh. Um, I give them hints, you know, like, is there, where can I get water? And they're like, oh, you can get it from that stream right there. But before we do that easy answer, I go, well, where's that water coming from? And eventually they look far enough into the picture and go, well, from the snow in those mountains over there. I'm like, well, let's go up there and, and investigate. And now I had an opportunity to pop my drone up into the sky, but we're not on a mountain. We're on top of a volcano, I tell oh. them. And I said, but this snow is here because this volcano's been asleep for, you know, 500 years. And so should I just dip my water bottle in the snow here and get in the snow this way? And they're going, no, no, you know, it needs to melt. And so we visit streams and rivers and waterfalls. And eventually we get to the point where I'm setting up my camp next to a stream. And as I'm talking about this, and this is rolling in the background, I get a few volunteers to come up with me and we pull a water pump off of my bike Um, and uh, I have the janitor or the custodian bring over a bucket of water um, and whether the school has a mascot that's a tiger or a lion or whatever we're just gonna say this is the uh, the Smithville Lions Reservoir and we need to uh, we need to we need to pump some water for a meal tonight and so we go through the exercise of attaching the water pump to the bottle and I get a kid to lower the hose into the bucket of water and I get these kids to pump and of course It takes a long time to uh, get that water bottle full, but we go through the exercise long enough to show how um, there are things that we have to think about when we put ourselves out there and move beyond the comforts that we keep in our circles around us and um, get them to think a little bit about that and to not be intimidated by that or um, thrown off by that, but to actually make it something that they can have an adventure with and then eventually that applies to meeting other people and other bicyclists and people from other countries and making friendships. And how does that happen when you don't share a language in common, but you might share something else in common, like the other person's on a bicycle. Yeah, and yeah. They're going in the same direction you're going. Um, I tell one story um, of being down in Patagonia and um, I was, uh, um, let's see if I can find this here. So normally these are all kind of, lined up, but uh, oh yeah, um, I um, was at a campground, uh, let, just, let skip ahead in this uh, video, but um, I was at this campground and I, I was setting up my tent and I heard this instrument being played by another bicyclist, it was a didgeridoo, and I say, how many of yeah. you heard what a didgeridoo says? And this guy asked me through Google Translate, what's your name? And I said, my name's George. He says, my name's Washington. And together, we are George Washington. (laughs) And then he gave me the flag of his country, the flag of of, uh, Chile, as a sign of friendship. And um, I use this as an example to point out other friends that I've met, friends from Japan and from Argentina, who, um, even though we might have a language barrier... Um, we do find some things in common, like the fact that we're going in the same direction, we have to camp at the same place, we're making meals, we share our food with each other. Um, And so each one of these things sort of kind of builds a little bit further out to encompass, um, in a sense, you want them to think about, well, who's the adventure in the classroom right around me? Who have I not gotten to be friends with yet? Or sat down at the table with them in the lunchroom. Mm -hmm or invited in, uh, into my group, into my little, you know, community sort of thing. And so I try and, by the end of that show, challenge them to say, hey, you don't have to get on a bicycle to have an adventure. You know, you, can, you have people that you can get to know all around you um, who come from different places or maybe grew up in the same town you did, but you never got to know each other. So I try and, depending on the age group, get that message, you know, kind of across ultimately with the program.
0: Well, it seems like there's, there's a old. bunch of messages that you're sharing too. It just, I mean, like that one in itself, but then even before when you're even like the pumping of the the water and you think like, well, what happens if I just dump that water out or drain? Like that would be like, try, like I we just pumped this for a long time to get all this yeah. water and like, you know, the value of that versus like you, you see the waste around you. I don't know if you had interactions around that.
1: Well, uh, that's where I, uh, one reason why I, um, when I was, uh, when I saw your um, program um, on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, let's just see what Joel Amadon's up to. And, 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 and I am not trained, uh, you know, uh, or don't have a background as a teacher, though I've been in many education type settings for, you know, the camp counselor to the whatever, but it's, It's for a certain part of the year where I've done a lot of residencies as a musician where you're working with kids. But I'm always curious about having someone like you or others, and I'm always asking the teachers who I've presented in front of, you know, what else is it that you see that I could be doing in this program? You know, because we're talking about, you know, broad ideas of character mindset and and, and so on and, and social emotional learning, things that I've sort of have, Picked up on and try and kind of, you know, be deliberate about with what I'm doing. But I always feel like even what you just said there about what if we just dump that water out. One thought I had with the water activities is I often often ask teachers if there's any kids who ride to school, can I have at least one student bring their bicycle to the assembly? And then at a certain point, that kid comes up and, and I've already put some bike packs on their bike and some of my gear is on their bike. Like the food might be on that bike, but the water might be on my bike. Or all the kitchen utensils might be in there. And so it's like, oh, where's, do you have, you know, and so the whole the whole asking somebody, you know, or to to share mm-hmm. kind of thing and, and broaching that and setting that as an example. But there's all kinds of different things that are packed, I'm sure, into all of these. And I'm just thinking about it and approaching it as a creative, as a creative person, as a yeah, person yeah. who, you know. Works with video and and audio mediums with with my work, you know.
0: Well, so, even like the decisions that you had them initially make with regards to what you want to bring with you, I'm like yes, you totally could bring your dog with you, but now you got to bring food. Now you got to bring it. Like <laughs> like, uh, Carolyn thought
1: she like, could fit a lawn chair on her bicycle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. No, I have jettisoned things before on my journey. I'm kind of like, what, what was I thinking? You know, uh, even I mean, and this is the tenth one coming up. I still have like this minimalist list of like you'd only need this this many you know layers of clothing or or whatever and of course with with Norway you know I'll be up in the arctic circle so I'm gonna have to be ready for some you know and Iceland prepared me for that the interior being on a fad bike in in the interior of Iceland for a couple weeks uh really taught me about you know which for those
0: only looking at the audio version you if uh, the video only would we'll get a video version of this, like the oh, yeah. um, it looks like the moon. I mean, it looks like Mars. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. yeah. Well, as a matter
1: of fact, one of the one of the stories, the video stories that I uh, talk with the students, as we go into the interior of Iceland, we talk about volcanoes and how. Um, how can life come back after a volcano has um, you know obliterated uh, a sheep pasture uh, um, and filled it up with uh, you know um, uh, all of the uh, the things that volcanoes throw out into the atmosphere and onto the ground and eventually we find life uh, in the middle of this desert and we find water sources and um, but um, as we 're taking in the whole starkness of of the interior of Iceland. NASA actually uh brought a number of its Apollo astronauts to uh the interior of Iceland to a volcano called Askja. I actually camped at the at the base of this volcano um and, and went up to the top of it. It's dormant um and um and they trained there to do their geology for rock collecting on the moon oh, wow. so they and then the, the 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 Perseverance rover that's on Mars right now the prototype for Perseverance was tested in the interior of Iceland. Oh wow. Um, and so they, I uh, show prototypes of, of that rover working in the interior of Iceland. and I make that connection between Iceland and Mars, mm. and um, and even my drone that I'm using in the interior of Iceland, I can com- compare it to uh, Ingenuity, the the quadcopter that's uh, on uh, the Perseverance rover. That's and awesome. we show the two of them side by side doing the work that they're doing, and, and they, you get kids to think about. I I end that story by saying, "Hey, you know, maybe you're going to be the first one to set up a tent on the planet Mars." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I ride a fat bike across Mars. So.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even too but like a th- lot
1: of a lot of stuff graded, related to imagination just to kind of cap that off there.
0: Yeah. Well, and even yeah, you know, just like the the creative solutions that you've provided. I I think I mean, and I think I caught this from a video that you designed the bike you, you made some, you had the design, the bike custom made for you that you could like generate your own electricity. You could yeah do some other things. So I not know, like, I think kids, I would assume like you get a lot of questions from kids, like just like on this, almost like, you're almost like Tony Stark, like designing your own little, <laughs> little bike here.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because, uh, this is my first adventure bike here. This is a uh, Golden Bursty and, uh, Golden Bursty, uh, like all my adventure bikes, um, has, um, a dynamo hub in the front tire. So as this tire rolls, it's generating electricity. And then I got a USB port right up here on the upper stem. And when I have my shows running, I usually have a USB cable attached to this and I pull out a battery pack or I get kids to guess how many hours it takes to charge up an iPhone by riding a bicycle. And so uh, I show them how I'm generating electricity, saving my electricity and using it um, so that I don't have to use batteries or, or anything like that. The other two adventure cycles that I have, um, the lights on them are generated by Gen- Dynamo hubs. so during the live assembly show, I get kids that come up, and we lift up the front of the bike, and I have one kid madly, you know, spin that front tire, and then the light starts flickering, like, where's that coming from, you know, and they're trying to get them to realize it's not an electric bike, that the energy's coming from the person who's on the bike, and so... Why do we need to eat our oatmeal in the morning? You know, I yeah. show them how I, you know, like because it's going to give me the energy to, you know, to run the yeah, electricity. Yeah. And then we translate that to solar power. I use solar power in my bicycles. Um, I charge up a uh, a lamp that I hang in my tent at night, and so that's always in the back of my bike, charging up. I'm experimenting this summer with a little solar cook stove. Uh, The only weighs two pounds, and it's this glass tube with some reflectors on it, and it kind of packs down really nice and tight. Um, And I've been learning how to boil water with it and to reheat some meals, and I'm trying to decide whether I want to try and do that in Norway. Or, uh, you know, of course, then the questions from the kids is, well, what if the sun's not shining? Well, then what's my other alternative food source? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and do I have that, and will I have that, or do I just eat cold food, cold oatmeal? You know, sometimes you got to eat cold oatmeal. That's right. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, we talk about energy. We talk about uh, solar power. We talk about wind generators, and I show them video footage of you know from from the vantage of the bicycle seat. Here's these big wind generators in Ireland or in the Faroe Islands or wherever it is that I'm at, and and we get kids to think about um, you know what the word sustainable means, um, mm-hmm. what renewable means, and even when I was in Iceland, I spent a month on um, an island off the north coast of Iceland in the summer of 2021. Um, uh, I was spent two months in Iceland that summer. The first month was as a composer. I was doing a composer's residency in an old schoolhouse on this island that had been renovated into uh, um, uh, an artist's uh, uh, enclave. There were supposed to be four artists there that month. Pandemic uh, had, the lockdown had just opened up, and they were opening it up to uh, international travelers, and I'm the only one who got the protocols right. And the other three artists, unfortunately, didn't show up, so I had this whole schoolhouse to myself. But twice a week I would bring all my recyclables down to the harbor uh, to the big community recycling bin that had about eight different categories. Like you really separated your stuff out there. But I I filmed it once and I did a little film thing like going down the hill and here we go and here's how we separated it out and batteries and they separate out a candle wax and and so on. And and then asked the rhetorical question, how do you recycle at your own schools and and so on. So um, I try and look for stories actually sometimes as I'm writing or consider the possibilities of of different angles in order to um, bring stories back with me um, when I do these adventures or even as I study a country in the months leading up to going on a journey, I go, oh, you know, I'm going to be passing by the world's largest ball of twine, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go film that and turn that into a story we find hopefully worthwhile things to do.
0: Yeah. So. Nice. Well, and I was yeah. wondering, like, you know, one of the things, again, I like pointing back at that overview video, because I, I was wondering like, Hey, what are some things that you've learned throughout? And and it feels like you've got these like principles that you've, that you've come on these like takeaways, I guess. And, and, the first was on embracing the unknown, which I think it, it seems logical here, but I mean, still, with thinking about embracing the unknown, like what what stands out to you that made that like your the the first one that you list and those uh, takeaways.
1: I think that w- one of the things that's really I realize has happened to me, um, and I always thought I was like a really calm, laid back Midwestern guy, you know. <laughs> Um am Sun Prairie, I, don't you know? Yeah. from Sun Prairie, <laughs> Wisconsin. Educated by Benedictine monks, you know, um, and uh, and uh, you know, most jazz musicians are pretty laid back. But I realize just how much um, it, people put it this way, and you know, I'll, I'll get, get embracing the unknown. It's is related to this. People go, "Aren't you bored to death? How long uh, you're on a bike for? What eight hours out of a day? And you're moving how fast?" And I go. Yeah, eight to ten hours, you know, uh, and I kind of like, in between the lines, go, yeah, you burn about four to six thousand calories in that amount of time, and they, then, you know, <laughs> then they really pay attention. Um, but I realize as a composer, I sit down at a piano with um, a poem in front of me or or some text that a librettist has given me, and I have to sort of meditate on that text and what it means and and who, it, who the characters are, what the storyline is, what the intent is, whether the librettist and I have talked about it if we're creating it for a music theater thing, which I do a lot of. Um, but I eventually, at a certain point, I have to enter into the unknown and place my hands on the piano and form a chord or start thinking of a melody line. I have to commit myself to putting notes on a page Notes which will change and get adjusted and moved and maybe the whole idea gets thrown out. Some I could say, you know, written, I don't know, a ton of songs in 40 years of composing. And um, uh, I would say maybe only three or four of them had like bad first starts and I scratched and and decided to go a different direction. Like I always kind of like know what it is that I want to do, but it's still the unknown. It's still... Um, uh, something that you have to commit yourself to just doing it. And I translate that to being on a bicycle, I translate that to, to, to the kids. It's like, yeah, you know, we could sit here and be comfortable in our own little circle mm-hmm. and, and, and do our own little routine, or, you know, um, and of course, this translates even in a greater view to. Trying to listen to all the different sides of a story, even though they might not be your side to a story, yeah. you know. And of course, we are we're, we're suffering mightily from that as humanity um, with that inability to listen. And the monks taught me how to listen. Listen with the ear of your heart is the first phrase in the in the in the order of the Rule of Benedict. Uh, and as a jazz musician, I'm listening all the time, and I'm listening to what another player is saying first and foremost because it's a conversation, and I have to wait till they're done stating what they're stating what they're pulling out of their vulnerable inner selves um and then um react to that in a way that incorporates something of what they said musically and incorporate that into my response and i find myself doing that like in these school shows like with these kids is like really waiting to you know waiting them out listening and and i know like it, again, hats off a million times over to all the teachers that deal with all that energy every day. Um, but, you know, like some kids, you know, you can tell they they drank a ton of red Kool-Aid just before they came <laughs> to the assembly on purpose. I don't know what, but they're like bouncing off the walls. I always say to the principal, what's the secret code that gets them all quiet at once? And one of the best ones i ever heard, this was out in California. She says, simple, all you have to say to them is, um, after high school, and they all go, comes college. And then they all... <laughs> sit there and, 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 and quiet down, you know? I'm like, great. I wish every school used one of these, but in those situations where, you know, um, uh, um, all that energy is happening, I try and do my best to listen and, and, and going into the unknown embracing the unknown it, it involves listening because you, your senses, you know, do have to sort of, um, uh, be projected forward. When you're on a bicycle, for example, um, one of the examples I use in in my program is I actually use some of the uh, railroad tunnels that have been turned into railroad uh, rails to trails in central Wisconsin, between uh, Sparta and um, Tommy Thompson's hometown Elroy. Tommy Thompson's Elroy, the Elroy Sparta State Trail, um, mm-hmm. and in and along that corridor are three old tunnels that these bike trails go Long through. Long
0: tunnels. Long tunnels. Yeah. And they're and
1: they're dripping and there's moisture and there's, you know, and there's no lights except what you have on your bike. Um or what you can see at the far end. And so we go on an adventure where we enter one of these tunnels with the bikes, but we slow it down and I start asking what do, what do you notice is changing? And of course mm-hmm. in in the and you can see the fog and the and the moisture by the light of the bike. You can hear the we test out the echo in there. Um and so on, so it's, it's a little bit of a combination of physics and science and, you know, biology and, and geography um, kind of slip their ways into this. But it's all about getting kids to kind of um, notice these little unknown things being experienced from a bicycle where you don't have little windows of a car around you. You don't have a radio that you can turn up. You know, you, um, uh, you, you can't block out the world. You have to... Uh, um, it.
0: yeah well i i love i mean i just i love the embracing the unknown just from the aspect of thinking of the opposite what happens if you don't like mm-hmm. then you just you're where you're at you know like you're mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like it's it is like the, the boring sort of thing versus like how do you uh you know take advantage of these opportunities that have been given to you right yeah
1: I was a college admissions recruiter my first four years out of. uh, I went to St. John's and uh, University and the College of St. Benedict up in uh, Collegeville, Minnesota. My first four years, I was an admissions recruiter in inner city Chicago uh, and all of Wisconsin, so I probably visited your high school. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, I remember being at a traffic light in the south side of Chicago one day. And I was looking at all the billboards in the neighborhood, and on all these billboards were uh, advertisements for cigarettes and alcohol and bail bonds. And and, and I had just been in the the, the affluent suburbs just before that, and I remember seeing Lexuses and jewelry and vacations, you know, on the billboards there. And all of a sudden, this stark thing hit me. I'm like, wow, wow. what am I being sold, you know, uh, mm. in, in in terms of what I take in? And so uh, I threw my TV out um, uh, in 1990, um, about two years into this uh, admissions uh, adventure, uh, learning uh, to work with inner-city Latino and, and African-American youth and, and to um, talk about um, what it meant to transition to a rural, you know, college campus uh, um, with mostly... White North Dakota farm kids, you know, as the majority that you know, and so what? What did we need to do as a university, as a program, in order to, you know, um, work with these transitions That's sort of think where the seeds where a lot of this started. But I remember distinctly, kind of going, I don't need a TV, you know, mm. I'm gonna just. So I became more of a of a radio um, person and, and more like you know, public radio or adventure theater or mystery theater or the stuff, in the imagination of the mind and, and listening and so uh, you know, not everybody takes that route, but I, I just decided. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't need to be sitting back and being entertained by something. I'm gonna try and go out and create my own kind of connections and adventures. And I, I don't know all the different ways that kids can approach that, but it's I guess it all comes down to that one teacher that we have, or you know, that one class, or or uh, that one experience, like riding a bike across the mm. country. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah. When you say like, and you know, I just want to get the other principles, but like leaving our comfort zone changes us or change invites new challenges. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, even from a teaching perspective, like the leaving our comfort zone, like I know how to like the kind of uh, just story time for me is I knew a certain kind of how to t- teach math and a big joke at boy state was Joel never has a job, but I finally got a job. That was great. <laughs> but uh, I remember that. Yeah. So, but I had my job and then, but that job was different in the fact as the math teaching, it was not like, you know, at the chalkboard, like you were like make, having groups, engage with some material and you were facilitating them engaging with that material and then like offering a prompting question or getting, you know, kids to talk to each other. And like, and it was just, it was really outside of my comfort zone. I had no idea like what, it didn't feel like teaching, but it really was creating environments for them to do the learning. And it was teaching. It was just different. Like, and Mm -hmm. it was way outside my comfort zone, but the, I embraced it. And like, it was like one of those things that was just an eye opening experience about, Oh, this is what it could be. And then that, that did, that did change me and who I was as a teacher, but it was getting outside of my comfort zone. Like, Whoa, I'm turning over the power of my class. Like the chalkboard is not that powerful a place. It's like the agenda and that's about it. Or maybe working out, having a kid come up and work out a problem. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, the way it's being used, but it was, that was a unique thing. And and the fact is like that, you know, we have, you know, teachers sometimes that are challenged then challenged you're looking for that next challenge, like on how to expand on what does it mean to be a teacher? Uh, And just like, well, just like student, what does it mean to be a student? It's not just about, you know, taking the test. It's about maybe, you know, demonstrating learning in different ways and and kind of do what you're saying. That's like stepping out and and doing some different uh, activities.
1: I had one school in California. We're so excited to have Tales from a Bicycle Seat. And this was a virtual uh, show. That um, and it was right around this time of year, so they were kind of gearing up for the summer and summer adventures and so on. And they wanted sort of the bicycle theme to be one of those options for kids to think yeah, about. Yeah. You know, you can have an adventure on your bicycles this summer. So they made it tales from a bicycle seat a week at the school, and oh, the awesome. kids uh, had a a, a a board in the hallway that you put stuff bulletin board that you put stuff up on. And they did a creative project where um, all the kids spearheaded um, bicycle adventures and variations on what what, what would I do if I took a bicycle adventure and put it up on this board um, and then sent me pictures of it just before my show with them so that I could actually zero in on some of the stories that the kids had written about and even some of the names of some of the kids so I can personalize the show and we got really excited about, you know, I got really excited about riffing off of the work that they already, had already done with their imaginations, imagining what this program was like. Um, and it really kind of uh, uh, made me just engage even a little bit more. Um, it was just really fun just to have a school kind of get into it that like that. And I, I do have um, some schools, and we're talking about, you know, with change comes challenge. Um, um, uh, um, I do have some schools who, uh, because they know that I've done, you know, a lot of, you know, and I, you might've been there at Boy State at the time I was teaching environmental ecology, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and those, and that was something that I just raised my hand and volunteered for one day and they went, yeah, we lost our Dean of Ecology. He couldn't show up this year, but yeah, yeah. like, I'll teach it. Um. But um, some schools asked me to kind of riff more just on that theme. Um, and so for me, the challenge is to kind of you know, dig further into my material or to um, find examples of what people or other cultures are doing, other countries are doing to address um, uh, environmental change and, and, and global change and, and warming and so on. And to not make it a heavy thing, but as much more to make it a creative um, thing that we welcome other people to be creative about.
0: Two, yeah and even to see like how other countries are, are attacking the problem and how you know humans are creative and, yeah and one uh, example
1: i use in iceland is we when we visit one of the visits we visit a geothermal park they actually have some towns in iceland because iceland is you know grew up out of the ocean because we got two tectonic plates rubbing against each other we got a hot zone a hot spot and so on there's all kinds of volcanic activity in iceland and Icelandic people are like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> but there's some communities where like they'll have a, a a a park in the middle of the city and it's bubbling and, and there's gas coming out of the ground and there's you know sulfur and these little uh, mini uh, fumaroles which are you know hot jets of of steam shooting out of the ground and of course water that you can put an egg in and boil it you know within a minute you know in the water but uh, we talk about um, I show these kids how the Icelandic people harness that energy and use it to uh, heat their uh, water in the tap. They use it to run the registers, the heat registers in their homes. They heat their swimming pools with it. They even heat greenhouses with it because you can't grow anything more than potatoes, you know, Mm -hmm. and moss uh, in Iceland, you know, and so they grow vegetables. um, um, and, uh, And between geothermal power and hydroelectric power, um, I talk about a country that ninety-eight percent of its energy is renewable. Not not every country has that ability to do that, yeah, yeah. but it's just to show the creativity of, of, of these people and 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 to extrapolate that back to say how can we, you know, how can we be creative here in our school and our homes and so on. Um Yeah. Um, every 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 one of these situations is different for me, which is what I love. <laughs>
0: Well, I love that you get a chance to use your creativity. I and mean, it almost sounds like, uh, you know, they're like the, you talked about this last, this school that asked you to, to riff more on, uh, the environmental aspects of it and like having the experiences and then, and then, you know, rearrange. I mean, I, I, imagine like, you have all these, like, you know, these jazz like uh, skills and, and abil- aptitudes that are just being put into play where you're like, Oh, I can just place this there and put this there, like and turn this up a little bit. And,
1: It's it's sort of true. You know, um, uh, I was my dad just turned 90 last week and he's and um, um, I was uh, as we were sitting there celebrating and and catching up on things. I said, yeah, dad, um, I find myself um, improvising um, with some of these younger audiences and using some of the tactics that you used (laughs) um, with us kids, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to to redirect our energy. Um, It's a way uh, I call it. Because, um, you know, we've all, uh, all of you have teachers, uh, more more so than myself, but uh, have the situation where, you know, you're you're trying to, you got this lesson plan, you got the things set up, and the whole class is there, and, um, and, you know, it's right after lunch, you know, so they're bouncing off the walls, or they're falling asleep, whatever it is, but there's that maybe group of three, you know, of course, when it's someone new like me, they can get away with it, when it's, when it's you, I know they're not going to get away with it, but there's like these three kids, like, Decided they weren't interested in in the program, so they had their backs to me, and they kind of formed their own little group in the front row. And, and, you know, the after-high-school-comes-college phrase wasn't working, and uh, the teachers weren't lifting their fingers to help me. I was on my own. And so I I was getting ready to bring some volunteers up, and as I'm talking to everybody in in the room, I knelt down with this group um, uh, next to them, still talking, but I joined their circle. I, I got in there with them, you know. I kind of scooched myself in, and and uh, and uh, and I said, "Isn't that right?" You know, and they <laughs> looked up at me, you know, uh, uh, realizing that uh, I had asked a question. And one of them said, oh, "Yeah." I said, "That's great," because I knew the three of you would want to volunteer for me. Come on up here. This is great. Hey, let's give them all a hand. You know. And these kids, you know, blindsided, you know, got up and sort of broke the group up. And I brought them up for an activity and involved them in something that helped them participate a little bit more. And of course, make them rock stars to their fellow students Mm because they got to go up and be with the bicycle, right? Yeah. Um, You know, they went back to their places and maybe they paid a little bit more attention. Um, And in that same group, uh, there was this little girl in the back, um, God love her, and um, just uh, um, uh, off the wall and and, uh, and, and, uh, and and we were doing bicycle safety, and so I was asking everybody to participate by suggesting what we need to know about bicycle safety and and she had had her hand up and, and I somehow had missed it. And I was just wrapping up the show. I was, doing, I was just right the final thank yous, and I want to thank all of you. And she came marching straight up the aisle, came marching right up to me, put her hands on her hips, and she said, "You didn't answer my question. You didn't ask." And I said, "You know what? You're exactly right because I was waiting for, right for the very end of the show here to have your question. So ask your question, and let's you know, and let's see what I can do to answer." You know. And she said, "Well, I f- I forgot." <laughs> <laughs> And I said, but I bet it was a great question. You know, let's give a hand to everybody who asked their questions today, you know. But those improvised moments, you know, where you don't know what's going to happen and, and, you know, um, uh, I love riffing off of that stuff. I I definitely use my, my jazz skills and being a band leader for eight musicians who the moment they walk into onto the stage, the setup for the show that we're going to do that night, I can tell what kind of day each one of them has had because I've known them that many years, you know. Mm-hmm. I can, I, and I know exactly how the show's going to go because of what kind of day they had. And I, actually know, I also know which one I'm going to make solo first because they're going to want to get that bad day out of them by blowing through their horn yeah. or playing their guitar or banging on the drums. And I go, you go, you know, and then they just, you know. <laughs> and you you, and it's a redirection
0: of energy is what it is yeah well that's like almost. i mean you know to i know you're talking to talk we're going to talk about everything that people need to know about tales from bicycle seat if they were interested in a show for themselves and and to learn more information stuff but also too i think george i really think there is something here about teaching because Mm -hmm. over and over again i keep coming back to this idea that teaching is improv And like Mm -hmm. thinking about, or or even thinking about the, you know, all the different things that you're, you're playing in, like, how do you, where's the energy in the room? You know, the energy might be with these guys, these people that are not paying attention to me. All right. How do we redirect that energy into what we're trying to do to accomplish the goals that we have? And like Mm -hmm. getting more thinking like that versus like, uh, rather, um, you know, instead of thinking of it like improv, thinking of it like a play, like, it's just going to go no matter what the same beats every single time versus like, no, 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 this is we we're, we're playing with energy. We need need to tap into creativity. We need to put these things in together in order to get accomplished what we want to. Um, And, you know, knowing that you weren't expecting the the student to come marching up and saying, Hey, I I have, I have a question versus that could have been, Mm You know, there could have been a way that you played that that would have just, you know, not taken advantage of the energy, would have just like left a bad taste in your mouth. But versus like yeah. that ended up being a congratulations for everyone that has a question, even though the question was not even remembered. So like there, there's some definite stuff there with regards to thinking about just teaching in general.
1: Yeah, you know, it reminds me there's a, a member of my jazz group who's 83 years old now. And I'm the age that he was at when he joined my group. So he wow. was 57 yeah. when he joined the George Maurer Jazz Group. He's now 83. His name is Jim. And um, when we go on the road or we go and do gigs, everybody's just quietly on Jim duty. Because Jim will sometimes wander into the wrong bathroom um, or, you know, we'll forget where the stage is or whatever. but. Um, he's a performer. He knows all. He's like comes out of the vaudeville school. I mean, he mm. he he's the. He'll tell jokes for eight hours in the car, you know, and and never the same joke, you know. And it just mm-hmm. you don't where do you get these one-liners, Jim? But he's been known to steal a solo from any number of us at any point because he can't see as well. And I park him near me at the piano so that when I can go like this, you know. But if I'm going to the horn player next to him, I have to be locking eyes with the horn player. And if they're not fast enough, Jim's going to think it's his solo. And he'll, you know, he'll start (laughs) blowing on his horn. And my signal to my band is I'm going to take a solo is I just put my head down and start into the keyboard, you know. And everybody's supposed to read that sign as George is going to take one now. Jim can't see, so he'll all of a sudden... (laughs) He'll take it and I look back up like this, you know, and look over at my, we exchange eyes with the guys in the rhythm section and they're like, yep, you just got punked by Jim again, you know. <laughs> but that um, points out to me um, uh, uh, situations where, you know, yeah, I mean, you don't want to, obviously you don't want to embarrass a student. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you want to, in a certain sense, when you, um, um, have Have a student ask a question or have a student come up and participate in an activity or whatever uh, or students um you're turning the uh, the reins in a sense over to them um and 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 helping them teach the very thing that you're trying to teach mm-hmm. um, I mean I can stand up there or you know I love the virtual shows, but I really love the live shows even more because i you know it's it's in three d you know you you've got the bike there in front of you mm-hmm. and and I try and, I mean, th- it's wonderful with the technology that I have with with overlays and being able to seamlessly move from scene to scene and, and so on and, and, and create these really, I mean, really utilize smart boards for what they're made for um, when we do this program and make it interactive. But there's something about just being able to, you know, uh, I can read an audience within the 20 seconds it takes me to walk on stage to get over to the piano. I know what kind of audience I have. Mm-hmm. When you're doing virtual and you got fifty classrooms in front of you on the screen and they're all muted, um, it's hard to get a bead on your audience um uh or to riff off of a particular um signal that a student's saying, Hey, I've got a great idea or a question and I want mm-hmm. to catch your attention. So that's why I have to rely on the teachers a lot more yeah. for that. This is a question. <laughs>
0: No, I, I do. I just think that there is something to be learned there about just the, the using the and, and just even what you said in that last piece there about turning over the reins, you know, at times mm-hmm. and, you know, like, just like you turn over the reins to some and some kids just like Jim might steal a, uh, steal a solo every now and then, but you guess yeah. what? That's still, it's part of the show, you know, it's part of, part of what yep. you're doing and like just using that and going with it. Definitely. So what is, I mean, so you've done these shows for a while now. So what is the the best thing you've learned or things that you've learned to help you teach better? We might have already touched on it, but maybe you want to emphasize it or maybe you got something else to share.
1: Um, I think the things that I've picked up on in the live, um, you know, in-person shows, um, um, one of the goals I have is to actually to rely less and less on any technology. That this mm-hmm. virtual setting allows me to do all sorts of really cool things, you know. Uh, with a little slip of a button, button here, I can, you know, move from scene to scene and talk about different things, you know, really seamlessly. Um, but when you're in the live shows, I still am plugging into a projector or a screen behind me and and have the same ability to advance through these scenes. But I'm relying only now and then on what's behind me. Um, what I'm trying to actually do more now is to rely on sound. Um, And to use the sound of a brook or a raging river or um, elephants or different animals that I'm going to run across and using my ears as one sort of exercise. Um, And the rest of it is just sort of um, um, building an adventure from the ground up and starting with that blank slate and going, where would you go? What would you bring? um and let's load the bike up let's find ways to pack this all on the bike and let's practice uh getting to a camp and setting up and where's our food coming from where's our water coming from um how you know um and 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 so there's little parts of the program that I'm still kind of fiddling with you know I'm kind of going well I can do this over here I can do that over there but I want to try and, and and have um settings where our, now I can be outdoors you know um uh in a picnic shelter During the summer, you know, giving an afternoon program, which I'll be doing in in July out in Pennsylvania and flying out and doing two shows. No, no screen, no projector. I'll have a small sound system with me. Um, But what are the components that I'm too reliant on just showing something on a screen versus storytelling, you know, which I love doing or um those types of activities that will um engage um uh, a group of kids to 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 do an activity. So I'm, I'm looking for more kind of activity kind of based things if any teachers out there have some ideas um I would I'm sure you'll give contact information for me at the end of this podcast. I would love to hear um ideas on that cuz I'm always looking to to um to make the the show even you know more genuine in that aspect. So
0: yeah. Well like the the things that you're talking about with regards to like your changing modality. So that was a big thing with the pandemic when we moved from a lot of face-to-face classrooms went online and like we talked about this idea of resilient pedagogy. So like where pedi- like the kind of teaching that is uh, agnostic around the modality, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, hey, I'm I'm small PA, uh, no screen in Pennsylvania under, you know, in a park yeah. <laughs> versus like, on zoom with all the you know bells and whistles uh and like still being able to have integrity for the the, the kind of show that you're going to be providing I, I, again there's there's some teaching lessons to be learned there george about like what you're trying to do and again especially with regards to thinking about engaging and, yeah. and and engaging with who you're you're teaching to it's not like it's the same show it's it's different because you're the 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 people within it are a part of uh of who's contributing to it right
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, um, this whole thing got started. um, I was coming back from a month-long bikepacking trip across uh, Patagonia and Argentina and Chile. So this was February of 2020 into March. And literally um the day I took off from Buenos Aires to come back, um I was sitting uh next to the the road manager and a lot of the band members from Maroon Five because uh, <laughs> their tour had gotten canceled and um um and they were all heading back and everything was shutting down and um so I had just slipped this adventure like under the wires and of course I came back and as a performer all gradually we were getting all of our shows canceled and, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're looking at an empty year. Um and thirty 30 years ago, um, I had worked for this academic entertainment um, agency. It was actually my first full-time music gig coming out of college, so I was leaving admissions, going full-time in the music, and I was doing an educational program in high schools, elementary schools, junior highs, about music and technology. So it was my mm. synthesizer, was showing how do we sample sounds, how do we create music, and I was doing like 10 to 15 shows a week from wow. like northern minnesota to san antonio texas from chattanooga tennessee to um you know denver colorado and everything in between is the entire middle section of united states um and did that show for one year and then had other opportunities turned it over to a friend of mine and he's been running it ever since same show but with his own spin on it and um that agency lost all of its edutainment uh shows because the schools were locking down But he said, we can turn this into virtual Um, because he knew all the technology. He knew how about using, I'm using a DSLR. I have a shotgun mic that's right below, uh, out of sight of the the line of the camera here. Of course, you've seen the overlays with uh, everything I'm doing and I'm I'm using my own creativity. Um, But I was able to take all this material that I had already accumulated over seven years of bike rides at that point and stuff that I was already bringing into some sixth grade classrooms in Oshkosh with a with a colleague of ours um, in the Boy State program, and he was having me come in once a year and talk about Iceland, but to bring the bicycle in and talk about to his sixth graders about the movements of goods, ideas and services across a, a landscape but so I was already sort of sort of doing this, and so it was the opportunity for me since I had all this time on my hands, yeah to be creative with all this GoPro footage and drone footage that I had filmed, and stuff that I was using to tell people why I was raising money for cancer research and using those video stories to tell the story of being on the road and what I was learning in whatever particular country and going, well, now let's use this to create uh, even something more in-depth for um, uh, this program. And so as you were saying, um, uh, I was just sort of kind of going, what are people going to be interested? What are students going to be interested? And they're probably going to want to try and get out behind the confines of their houses now or the kitchen nook where they have to in that first year be on the ipad to learn their (laughs) lessons from before they all got back to school and getting masks so for for two years this program was an escape you know um in a a sense for for everybody who's just had that cabin fever um but it was
0: you know a good educational escape yeah well even too george just think that some of the things that you're teaching as well like from coming out of coming out of pandemic where, you know, I've I've got a a young kid who's, you know, Hey, wear a mask and be careful, wash your hand. And like almost having a fear of the world versus like, Hey, let's, we, we can, we can get out, we can get out and, and, you know, embrace all the unknown and leaving our comforts, you know, all the, all the principles that you're teaching and, and, and and we need it and we need it. And so I think that's a great uh, thing that you're doing.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love doing it. Um, I, a real quick side story in Vietnam, you know, there's uh, certain parts of Vietnam, the air quality isn't good. So I was in markets and bazaars, and people are wearing masks, but this is pre pandemic. Mm. And as I'm, some of these images are coming up in some of my shows. I'm like, oh, by the way, why are these people wearing masks? Mm. Like I, I just ask directly, you know. Um, uh, and and we talk about, you know, um, that, uh, you know, uh, environmental air quality and that sort of stuff, depending on the age group. Um, but this is pre-pandemic, you know, or uh, showing a picture of a, of a railroad engineer uh, and before one of these Wisconsin tunnels, there's a historical marker and there's a railroad engineer with a mask, and they say, why, why, why is this engineer wearing a mask? Think about that, and then ask your teachers to type the answer into, into Zoom, and these kids would be like, oh, that's because there was soot from the coal being burned mm-hmm. by the train. You know, some uh, science kid in the class had the answer, and so it takes that image and turns it into something else, redirects it into something else, in um, some instances hitting it head-on but from a different angle.
0: You know? Yeah, different context. Well, yeah. I appreciate your time, George. This is amazing. Like yeah. being able to share yeah. all this stuff, but I want to get, make yeah. sure to give it specific time. We'll, we'll, uh, definitely put, um, again, a link to the overview video, but then we'll, or we'll embed it in our uh, show notes, but then we'll also That's put awesome. a link to the tales from a link yeah. there. But what else can you, what else can you promote or what else, um, uh, or, or anything else you want to promote?
1: uh mainly mainly i just would be really interested um um uh in any teachers uh, that have some ideas on on how um i can use a bicycle in a in a live assembly uh not as a form of entertainment you know cuz kids ask me hey can you do wheelies no i'm 57 you know <laughs> can you do you know tricks like no you know yeah. but to somehow you know um i think some sort of uh activities um like you know, I've thought of changing a tire. That still takes time. You might lose an audience with, with that because you can only get a few people come up. But I'm wondering if there's something or some sort of activity um, that can be demonstrated that you can, that you can use a bike for that can be a, kind of a fun sort of this should be in every show type activity. So any of your teachers have any thoughts on that? I'd be very open to it. And don't go to Um That website's there and up and running, but it's sort of static right now. But if you want to learn more about the program, um, go to academicentertainment.com. There we go. And then just look
0: for Tales from a Bicycle Seat. And, okay. Yeah. We'll do that. Well, thank you, George. Thank you so much for the time. Well, this has been fantastic. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's great to to, uh, to talk with you, Joel, and congratulations to you on on uh your new gig and and uh, uh and uh be enjoy enjoy the weather down there in mississippi yeah. <laughs> thank you
0: this is going to be a good one for the show notes, folks. So you're going to look at the show notes. You're going to see a couple things. One is an overview video. Two, I'm going to put our conversation, just our conversation side, on uh, YouTube. So there will be a YouTube link because, you know, when you hear, like, some musical interludes coming in through his uh, audio, that's because uh, he's showing some video. And so there's some cool uh, video that you get to see. And also you get to see the bike in the conversations. You get to see his, uh, the, one of the bikes that he's used for these uh, adventures. So that'll be on there. Also, George shared with me a link to conversations that he has had. It's just like I love having and sharing conversations. George does too. Again, he, he's just always constantly recording and and you know, thinking about like, hey, how can these things be used to to tell a story? And so, he was in Newfoundland and had um had some conversations with some artists that he had met at an annual writers festival. And so, you know, he recorded and he put those out there on uh Tales from the Bicycle Seat look like a, a podcast, uh, some basically podcast-esque kind of conversations. And so those are gonna be out there, there's gonna be a link there to those. And 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 George again, like he makes this thing like, hey, how just this this chance encounter uh from a bicycle seat has led to these amazing conversations that he gets to record and then share with us. And then we get to listen to them as well. So those are, um, those are going to be out there as well in the show notes. And again, if you're maybe a teacher or administrator or someone that's interested in having George come to and talk to your, um, talk to your school or do a presentation for your school, the uh, link to academic entertainment will be there as well. So you can look and see about, um, George's, uh, opportunities to bring George either virtually or in person to your school. So just, Love that he love that more people get to interact with George and, and learn some of these lessons that he's had. And also too, the uh overview video that I share. And again, kind of captures just a snippet of what uh George's life has been so far and uh and and get to see some of these amazing things he's done, both musically but now from the bicycle seat as well. And again, I'm glad that he found a way to to share uh, share those experiences with the world, and also too thinking about how to make it better and and what I love also is this idea of thinking about what his training over the many many years as a jazz musician and seeing how then he 's like using some of those same experiences in um in teaching kids. And so like thinking about what are the lessons we can learn there and still still reflecting on that. So just, again, thankful for George, thankful for the opportunity to uh, have the conversation and thankful for the opportunity to share the conversation. So um, that's about all we're going to have. Uh, so, again, those show notes are going to be pretty important. So go to com forward slash episode 92. Again, that's com forward slash episode 92. And, yeah, so if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can uh subscribe rate and review all that good stuff uh share the the podcast uh had some really had our best month ever, uh, last month. And I think that's all because of people that were sharing podcast episodes, uh, with others. And so I'm just thankful for that. So it just, um, it keeps getting better. So I appreciate y'all. And also too appreciate people reaching out and got some, some episodes in the works that we're, you know, trying to arrange. And, and so that's, that's been good as well. Cause people are supporting, people are listening. So people want to come on and share some stuff. So I'm excited about that. So, again, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, You can also uh, follow at Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. In addition, you can subscribe to the Amazon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Amazon Planet. That also, when you do subscribe, it comes up with a form like, hey, what do you want to see from the Amazon Planet download? And we appreciate some people have responded, that, that the things that they like. And so a lot of people like that last episode that we had with uh jenny uh osuna from uh, stanford in sharing these readable articles and so we're gonna we're gonna do more of that as well and so thinking about what are the what are my top articles i have some that i wanted to share i'm actually trying to hunt down the authors because they were authored a while ago but they're some oldies but goodies and trying to find that if not i'll just uh have a, have a podcast episode with somebody that will talk to me about it because it's always good to do things uh, with others, right? So uh, you can, again, subscribe to the Amazon Planet download. You can go to AmazonPlant.com. There's a bunch of buttons to join the email list there. Um, you can also check out the Amazon Planet story, Amazon Planet bookshop. Links are in the footer at AmazonPlant.com where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. Um, thank you for spending time on Amazon Planet and thanks to uh, George for sharing his time and ex- expertise on this episode and also thanks to george for the music Uh, so we he uh he's a musician and said hey you got some music to share and so he shared uh, the uh kind of exciting uh uh, music that we got to to use at the beginning and end here so thank you george for the music uh and finally thank you to all you out there for learning to teach better and be the good in the world by investing the lives of others this world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others thank you for all that you do peace